Welcome to Conversations with All of Us, the show that explores the evolving world of health research and the role we can have in creating a healthier future for generations to come. I'm your host, Cheryl McLeod, Community Engagement and Communications Manager for All of Us New England at Boston Medical Center. And today we're talking about precision medicine and the future of healthcare. Joining me are Dr. Dean Xeros from MGH Chelsea Healthcare Center and Michelle Anderson, a healthcare professional and community advisory panel member for All of Us New England. Welcome. Imagine a future where healthcare is tailored to you, where researchers and doctors can more accurately predict which treatments are more likely to work for a patient. This is called precision medicine, and it's an innovative approach that takes into account individual differences in biology, lifestyle, and environment. And here to talk more about what precision medicine is and how it will impact the future of health are Dr. Dean Xeris and Michelle Anderson. Dr. Xeris is an internist. He's been practicing primary care for the past 20 years, and he serves as medical director of the MGH Chelsea Healthcare Center. He's also an assistant professor of medicine at Harvard Medical School, and he divides his time between seeing patients, overseeing operations of a large community health center, and teaching the next generation of primary care physicians. Michelle is a nursepreneur, a consultant, and an educator with over 30 years in the healthcare industry. She's a champion for those whom voices are often unheard. So let's dive in. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Dean, could you give us an overview of this thing called precision medicine? What is it and how is it different from the medicine we have today? Thanks for having me here this morning. It's it's great to talk about precision medicine. This is something that is new to a lot of people. You know, a lot of my patients haven't heard of this, but it's a way of developing treatment strategies for patients based on their own specific genes, environment and lifestyle. And the Precision Medicine Initiative came from President Obama back in 2015, where they wanted to think about accelerating strategies to do just that, tailor treatments, tailor prevention strategies, and tailor, you know, developments of of drugs even to target specific individuals. Some people might have heard of personalized medicine. Some people might have heard of precision medicine. They're sort of one in the same, but they moved away from personalized medicine because they didn't want people to think that it's just about treating my patient, you know, Mrs. X. So it's more of looking at groups of patients. It's more of looking at, you know, lifestyle of patients, environments of patients, genes of patients. So for Mrs. X, she might be a smoker who works in a coal mine and, you know, figuring out what gene she has that we might tailor our strategy around preventing lung cancer or treating her lung cancer if she develops it based on the environment, working in a coal mine and being a smoker, her lifestyle and the genes that are found in her body that can help determine treatments and strategies. So I'm excited as a primary care physician because it's an opportunity to really move away from that one size fits all approach to treating patients where we just have a drug or we have a treatment that can, can treat, you know, the average patient where with precision medicine, we are actually looking at many different things to, to tailor that treatment. So right now, the best medicine we have is one size fits all. Why change? Well, so the other thing about precision medicine is it, it's got a lot of buzz since 2015. But if you think about a blood transfusion, we give certain blood to certain people with certain blood types. That's precision medicine. If we don't do that, 
we cause a lot of damage and a lot of harm in somebody if we give the wrong blood to that patient. So I think precision medicine has been around for a long time and certainly around cancer treatments with the development of the precision medicine initiative in 2015. The strategy now is to expand this science, this knowledge, this precision medicine to all aspects of healthcare. And we're talking about treatment of hypertension, treatment of diabetes, and, and, and things that we see every day. Because there are patients, you know, as a frustrated PCP, I have medicines at my disposal and something like a beta blocker. I give it to one patient with hypertension. It works great. I give it to another patient. It doesn't work great because there is the biology of hypertension and how that impacts somebody's body. And so with precision medicine data, we can figure out which medicine is best for that patient. We also can develop new drugs based on genes, the genetic composition of hypertension among different populations. And we can develop new drugs that can target that hypertension in that individual. So could you explain a little bit how this whole precision medicine initiative led to the development of all of us? So all of us was developed from the precision medicine initiative, and it's a cohort of 1 million participants that will share their information, share their health information, share their DNA, and allow researchers to actually study those differences and study the, the genetic composition of diseases. So Michelle, I have a question for you. What did you think when you first heard about the concept of precision medicine and then what all of us was trying to do when you were approached about the program? So uh, precision medicine, I thought, aha, this sounds interesting. Sounds like something that might include me. In the past, I've always thought about research and the people that were involved in research, and they didn't look like me. Whether they were the researcher or whether they were the participant, they didn't look like me. And so when I think precision, I think, okay, this is an opportunity for more people that look like me from my background, from my community, to have a seat on both ends of the table. And so that's what got me interested and excited about precision medicine. And then when I heard specifically about all of us, my first thought was, okay, I like the name. The name in itself makes me feel included and no one's left behind. And I think that's really important. So it made me shift my train of thought, which was an initial knee-jerk reaction to research. Are you kidding me? Do you know what research means to the average Black American, to a person of color? The history of the atrocities that many of us are familiar with are still embedded in our, in our soul and it's passed down generational. So when you say research, right away, I have a negative connotation. That's not the case anymore. That's not the story today. And all of us, to me, is showing brilliantly that not only is that not what we're doing, but we're including everyone. It's for the betterment of all. And in the long run, what I do today by participating is going to help my fellow man the next person, my kids, my grandkids, uh, my neighbors, generational, familiar people to benefit by what we do today. Dean, what did you think about when you first heard about all of us as a just a doctor and as someone that would be a possible participant? So what I'm really excited about 
uh, with all of us is that it will start to recruit those that have been traditionally left at the side when it comes to research. And we call those participants underrepresented in biomedical research. So we're excited because that includes, you know, the traditional historic black and brown communities. It includes LGBTQIA communities. It includes patients with disabilities. It includes many other people that have been left out of research. And in fact, mostly white men have joined research trials. So we're really excited about getting women into research as well. And there's been great results with all of us up till now in recruiting patients and participants that, that meet these criteria. So it was sort of a no-brainer for me because I've been caring for patients for many, many years, over 20 years in a community right outside of Boston, Chelsea, Massachusetts, that has predominantly black and brown population, that has immigrants, refugees, people that have come from other parts of the world and settle in Chelsea. And they are essential workers. They are, you know, they live in multi-generational housing. They don't speak English. They have limited English proficiency. They're food insecure. They're housing insecure. So I've been caring for this population for many years. So what better way to really accelerate the way that we care for that population? What better way to do that than to, to become part of all of us, which is really looking at that. So that's why I joined as an investigator and why I joined as a patient is just to really show my patients that this is something that you can trust. And this is something that I put my stamp of approval on. So I, I hope that with engagement and with more thoughtful conversations with the community members and with patients that are in our community, we can encourage them and educate them about the benefits of research. Right. And that's wonderful. Michelle, I have, I have a question for you because You've spoken so eloquently about what came to your mind when you heard about precision medicine, when you heard about all of us, and then you wound up being a community advisory panelist member, which we're going to refer to as a cat member. That's a huge leap from being like, whoa, how do people of color feel about research to I'm going to be a community advisory panel member. Would you explain what that is and, and what that was like for you, please? Being a cat member, a community advisory panel member was something that was a no-brainer because what it said to me was, here's an opportunity to improve your community, to be a representative for the betterment of your community by having a seat at the table and being of the community and being a representative. And I also thought how much my voice would be heard and that I could represent those who typically their voices aren't heard for various reasons, from their um, background, from them not being at the right space at the right time. It didn't matter because I knew that I can speak for those or represent those, their opinions, their thoughts, their concerns about health, about safety, about their well-being, which to me is all covered under all of us because it's not just about taking medicine. It's about your health and well-being. It's about your area where you live and how that affects your health outcomes. So these are things that who could speak better to about what's going on in my own community than myself of my community. That's wonderful. Dean, what role does genetic testing play in precision medicine? Genes are sort of the 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 coding of everything in our body. And what a gene does is it 
codes for proteins. Proteins are the building blocks of life and health and disease. So when there's a genetic mutation or a variant in one of those genes, that protein that was needed might not be made. And then, you know, disease could develop. A good example of this is cystic fibrosis. People are all pretty much aware of cystic fibrosis. There's a CFTR gene that all of us have, but in those that are prone to the disease, there's a mutation and the protein isn't made that allows us to sort of clear secretions in the lungs. So those that have that mutation will not be able to clear the, the mucus in their lungs and their predisposes them to infections and chronic illness. So that's one, that's one way to understand how genes work, but genes impact many other diseases as well. And so if we can sequence and identify the, the building blocks of those genes for the diseases that they may cause, that's where precision medicine comes in. Because an example of that is also drugs. We know certain drugs are better in certain populations, and hypertension is a good example. You could have one medicine that works well for one person and not for the other. If they can sequence genes for hypertension and certain individuals, they'll be better able to tailor treatment and even develop new drugs based on the genetic coding of hypertension and be able to develop new drugs that target that gene to treat that hypertension in that person. If you have a gene mutation, does it necessarily mean that you get the disease? Genes are very important in determining health and wellness and and leading to disease. It, It doesn't necessarily mean if you have a gene mutation or a variant of that gene that you will develop the disease. Think about smoking. Think about people that have a gene mutation that predisposes them for lung cancer, right? That's where the, you know, the family history, genetic risk, is what everybody's heard of. But if you don't smoke and you don't live near uh, in in an environment where at an increase for lung cancer, such as living near a refinery, and again, if you don't smoke, you might not develop lung cancer. But if you add environment, living near a refinery, if you add smoking, a lifestyle, and you add that gene, you are at a much higher risk. So if we knew somebody had that gene, we might target lifestyle intervention a little bit differently in the office. We might talk about legislation around refineries and exposure to environmental hazards. So that's where I think genes play an important role, but they're not everything. Michelle, question for you. So one of the exciting benefits of all of us is that participants can choose to receive health-related DNA information. Michelle, you recently received your DNA results. Would you mind sharing what that was like for you? Oh, absolutely. The first thing that really caught my attention was my health-related hereditary disease risk. And in that, they look at specific genes. Now, I have to acknowledge that not all of your DNA genes are looked at, but quite a few. And I was happy to find out that of the genes they looked at, I didn't have any significant risk findings. On the other hand, they also looked at a medicine in my DNA results. And that was a big aha moment for me. So the genes that they looked at in my case that made a difference were metabolic genes, referring to how your body metabolizes medicine. One thing I can tell you that I've known for eons is that I am very sensitive to medication. My joke was, If you give me a Tylenol today, I won't have a headache for the next year. 
But my joke and my knowing my body doesn't necessarily translate to great information to share with my doctor. However, the medical results of my DNA results showed that one of my markers showed that I have a, an intermediate gene, meaning that my body may possibly metabolize medications a little slower than normal. Well, that's what I've known all my life, but now I actually have scientific evidence that I can share with my doctor and say, remember when I told you that medicine that I took, the side effect lasted significantly longer and you said, that's not normal? Hi, my name's Michelle. I'm not normal, but here's the evidence to back up what I've experienced. So that's why return results have meant the world to me. I also received some genetic um, traits and I am proud to say that I am of West African descent, of Central African descent and European descent. Did I know that before? No. Is it a nice tidbit of information that gives me some sense of my genetic makeup? Absolutely. So I'm very proud of all of that. I would just piggyback on what Michelle said and say, there's a sort of subset of precision medicine called pharmacogenomics that Michelle had alluded to earlier about medications and you know whether or not side effects happen or whether or not they're efficacious, meaning whether or not they work well. So that, that's a big part of, of all of us in precision medicine is pharmacogenomics, because as a primary care physician, I've often had patients who have had side effects or not had side effects to certain drugs or patients whose disease is modified or changed by medicine and others where it isn't. So I think that it's very important for genes to help us in the discovery of new drugs that will cause fewer side effects and be more efficacious in somebody like Michelle. Wow. I think that this is amazing. Precision medicine is the future, but it's here now. So it's really interesting. Dean, we've talked a lot about the benefits of precision medicine. What would you say to people that have privacy and security concerns around sharing their DNA information or genetic information with researchers? We have talked a lot about the benefits of precision medicine, and, and those are relatively undisputed. There are some challenges with precision medicine. One is, is privacy. People are worried about sharing their data, sharing their health information, sharing their access to their medical record. There are certificates of confidentiality. There are layers of protection that participants will hopefully be reassured about. There are only certain approved researchers that are allowed to tap into this information. There's a really robust informed consent process. So with all research, there's, there are risks, but we have tried very hard to minimize those risks in a study such as all of us. There are other challenges around precision medicine. One of them is cost, right? So who's going to pay for gene sequencing? Gene sequencing is very expensive. It was many years ago. It's much cheaper now. That's great. There's an issue around drug development, right? So when you start to look at drug development, pharmacogenomics, and you start to develop drugs that are targeting certain genes in certain individuals that will be better at treating their hypertension, for example, you'll have drug companies that will be making new drugs. And these drugs are going to be very expensive. And so I think we're going to have to, to balance, you know, the excitement about creating new drugs for patients, but also the risk of them being so expensive and so cost prohibitive that patients 
that we're supposed to be giving them to cannot afford them. So there's going to have to be regulation. There's going to have to be, you know, legislation because there's, we don't want winners and losers. We don't want the winners to be the drug companies and the losers to be the patients. When we've done all this work around developing new drugs to treat their, their genetic makeup of their disease. Michelle, did you have any pause about sharing your genetic risk information with researchers? And what do you think about the community's fear of doing that? Yes, Shell, I would love to comment on the privacy of my personal data, my medical profile, my genetic profile. I've had a few friends and family members and community members express how they didn't want their information out there. And I liken it to the things we do every day. Uh, most of us have credit cards. Most of us have debit cards. And we go out and we use them. And lo and behold, there's a big breach at the bank. And your personal information has been leaked. None of us have said, I'm never going to use a credit card or my debit card again. It's something that we're familiar with. And so I use that as an example because people say, well, my, but my personal information, my health profile is different. From my perspective, you don't have your health profile at home locked in a box. You go to the doctor, you go to the hospital, that's where your information is. And it's safe there. With all of us, there's even more safeguards for all of your information. So if you're willing to take the risk that you do every day, know that this risk is less than what you take every day, say, when you're shopping and all about. And again, it's for the betterment of yourself and your community. And there are many safeguards in place to protect your information. This has been really fascinating. I'm addressing this to both of you. What do you hope will happen in the future in terms of precision medicine research? Precision medicine again, as a review, it, it, it's been around for a while. Um, you know, the initiative in 2015 was a strategy to accelerate and bring precision medicine to all aspects of healthcare. We talked about cancer being one of the, the first uses of precision medicine, where the biology of cancer can be used to target therapies and target specific drugs to treat that, um, which is great. With the precision medicine initiatives starting in, in 2015, we now are trying to accelerate that and bring it into all aspects of healthcare, all health, all diseases. As a physician, I also am excited about it bringing genetics and the idea that genetics is, is linked to disease and environment also playing a role and lifestyle playing a role. It, it's a way for physicians to learn a little bit more about the, the causes of disease. If we can figure out what is the genetic code for a disease, we can maybe diagnose it earlier, treat it earlier, and even prevent it. So these are really important things that the Precision Medicine Initiative will be doing as a long-term outcome. And I'm very excited about that. Michelle, what do you think about the future of precision medicine research? I am looking forward to more of what I've seen, receiving the results regarding specific gene that shows what I already knew about myself is amazing that my body metabolizes a little bit different than norm. I envision, for example, a better treatment plan for the black and brown person who lives in the city where there's a lot of 
social factors, pollution, lots of traffic, poor air quality, that makes a difference in how that child that has asthma may be treated versus someone who lives in an environment where there's a lot more greenery and fresh air and they have asthma. That's different, but this is what all of us in precision medicine will help to tweak out and make better treatment for the individual. Thank you, Dean Xeras and Michelle Anderson. It has been wonderful and so informative, and we hope to have you back again soon. It's been great to be part of this conversation. Thank you, Cheryl, for asking me and Michelle for being part of this with me. We could not be doing this without community members like yourself and participants like yourself. So thank you. Thank you for this opportunity in letting me lend my voice. Thank you for listening to Conversations with All of Us. I'm your host, Cheryl McLeod. And thank you to our guests, Dr. Xeris and Michelle for joining us today. We hope that you enjoyed this discussion on precision medicine and the future of healthcare. In the next episode, we will discuss how an individual's personal circumstances impacts their health. So we hope you'll join us. That's all for this episode, folks. See you next time. Conversations with All of Us is brought to you by the All of Us Research Program in New England. Mass General Brigham, a leading integrated healthcare system in New England, and Boston Medical Center, an academic medical center with a deep commitment to clinical excellence and health equity, are working together with the All of Us Research Program to help researchers understand more about why people get sick or stay healthy. Medical research hasn't always included everyone. This is why medical research has gender, racial, and age gaps. The All of Us Research Program is working with Mass General Brigham and Boston Medical Center to change this. You can help close these gaps and receive $25 when you complete the steps to enroll. So join all of us today and to learn more, call 617-768-8300 or visit joinallofus.org forward slash podcast N-E. Are you already a participant of the All of Us Research Program? By completing your surveys and other new activities, you may be contributing to advancing medical research that works for all of us. Stay connected. Log into your portal today by visiting joinallofus.org or use the All of Us app to complete new surveys today. For help, call 617-768-8300. That's 617-768-8300. And thank you for being a part of the All of Us Research Program.